Hi, I'm your host, Amy Frina. For over 30 years, Care Credit has been enabling people just like you to get the care, procedure, or surgery they want or need when they want it. Behind the thousands of amazing testimonials we receive from our cardholders are the dedicated providers and healthcare workers who make these stories possible. In this series, we are giving you exclusive access to these well-respected and renowned care experts who are all part of our Care Credit Network and asking them to share the information and answers you need to make informed decisions about your health, wellness, and personal care. I would like to introduce you to Dr. Thomas Taylor, who is going to be telling us all about facelifts. Dr. Taylor is a plastic and reconstructive surgeon with a private practice in Pasadena, California. He received his medical degree from Columbia University and completed his residency at UCLA Medical Center. He's not only board certified in plastic surgery, but is also a fellow of the American College of Surgeons. Dr. Taylor's surgical achievements have been featured in several local and national media outlets. In this episode, let's listen as Dr. Taylor talks candidly about facelifts and shares what you need to know to decide if this surgery is right for you. Hi, I'm Amy, and we are joining you live from the studio today with Dr. Taylor, who is going to give us some insight on facelifts. How are you today, doctor? I'm fine. I'm very happy to be here. Well, we're happy to have you. Thank you. <laughs> so before we get into facelifts, we kind of want to get to know you a little bit. So I'm going to ask you some questions about yourself, if that's all right with you. Sure thing. Okay. So if you couldn't be a plastic surgeon, what would you be? Oh, I would consider being a photographer uh, in the field of uh, maybe nature, landscape, okay. wildlife, something like that. Um, it's, it's a passionate hobby of mine. Absolutely. What about your favorite food? Japanese. Yum. For sure. I try to eat, I try to eat healthy uh -huh. and uh, I love fish and um, uh, I, I just love sushi and everything about Japanese culture, their mm -hmm. foods, uh, their, their mindset about life. Uh -huh. uh, but yeah, I love Japanese food. All right. Well, you are making me hungry, but we're going to move mm -hmm. on. Okay. What about your favorite thing to do on your day off? Well, uh, on my day off, I like to relax, but my idea of relaxing is probably different than a lot of people's day of relaxation. Okay. Um, I, I um, participate in competitive swimming. Okay. So uh, I work out six days a week. I'm a member of the Rose Bowl Aquatic uh, Center Master's Program here in Pasadena. Very cool. <laughs> and we compete uh, nationally and internationally. Wow. And so typically on my day off from work uh -huh. is when I train more. And we do not only swimming, but we do a lot of dry land exercise as wow. well. Um, and throw in a nap in there somewhere, which I look forward to. My Saturday morning <laughs> naps are something I really covet. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big part of, of my life right now. Awesome. Very cool. Well, before we get into all the questions about facelifts, can you tell us a little bit about your educational background? Yes, I'm from Boston. I grew up in New England, and I went to Dartmouth College in New Hampshire, and then I went down to New York City to Columbia for medical school. And then I matched out here in LA at UCLA for my general surgery residency. 
-hmm. enjoyed Los Angeles, got married, had kids, mm -hmm. uh, chose to stay here for my plastic surgery training, which I did at USC. And then here I am, here private practice in Pasadena, California. Wonderful. All right. Well, let's get into the meat and potatoes here. We want to find out a little bit about facelifts. So okay. first and foremost, what is it and why would someone seek out this procedure? Well, um, there are a lot of reasons that people, people don't feel good about themselves, um, whether it's aging, whether it's a specific blemish on their face, um, and uh, they seek treatment to uh, improve their appearance in, in their own eyes. Um, now, there's a lot of people that say that, uh, you know, Mrs. Jones, she thinks she looks better, but you know, I don't think she looks better, mm. but it's really in the eyes of the beholder. Right. And um, if a person is unhappy with their appearance for whatever reason, and if there's a surgical procedure that is safe and it's reliable um, and will achieve their goals um, and make them happy, then I think they're uh, a good candidate. Um, and this requires a lot of um, examination of their expectations okay. because one can have a very good result, <laughs> but if the patient's not happy with it, even though objectively it's a nice result, they're not right. happy because they were expecting something else, mm -hmm. then that's obviously a, a failed um, surgical procedure in their eye. Gotcha. So what exactly is the procedure? Is it pulling the face up, pulling it back? Well, it's actually, there's multiple vectors that um, the tissues are, are pulled. Mm -hmm. um, but basically a facelift, uh, generically it's, it's um, cutting and lifting of the soft tissues of the face and the neck, both okay. the skin, the fat, the muscles, mm -hmm. there's different types of facelifts based on how deep uh, one goes into the tissues. Mm -hmm. There's what they call superficial facelifts where you're just lifting up the skin and pulling the skin. Okay. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's uh, what they call deep plane facelifts where the incisions are made down to the bone and all of the tissues are raised up off the bone and, and block, pull back the muscle, the fascia, the, the fat, the skin. And then there's in between, which is kind of what I do, what most people do, where uh, it's like a double layer facelift where you're lifting up the skin and then lifting up the fat underneath, pulling that back as a separate layer, then pulling the skin over it. And I would say a facelift typically is uh, rejuvenation of the face and the neck. Okay. Um, brow lifts, you know, is some people include that in a facelift. I just call a brow lift something separate okay. um, and people can do just the face and not do the neck mm -hmm. they can do just the neck and not do the face mm -hmm. um, or do both because there are a lot of people when they're starting to age you know in their 40s they may have a little bit of loose skin under their neck but their face looks pristine and they just want right. to deal with the face uh, with the neck and then vice versa so we do a lot of little upper or mini facelifts uh, on that patient group um, so it, it depends a little bit on their anatomy, it depends a little bit on how they've aged mm -hmm. and kind of what, what bothers them. Okay, you kind of touched on this earlier about managing expectations, but who is a good candidate for it? Um, 
Well, first of all, it, it has to be someone who has a problem that I can see. Right. Uh, and and fix. Right. And there are people who come in who have such minimal problems that to undergo a bigger procedure, mm -hmm. it, it's just not worth it um, because they're going to go through a lot. They're going to spend a lot. They're going to have scars. They're going to have a recovery right. to gain just the smallest amount of improvement. So you have to kind of, now some of those people will, will go through that. Uh -huh. um, but um, you know, sometimes non-invasive, smaller things uh, may be more appropriate for them. But I'd say in general, they have to have good uh, expectations. They have to be in good health. They can't be on blood thinners. Um, there's a lot of people taking a lot of different supplements and over-the-counter things that have uh, uh, interactions with our clotting factors. And uh -huh. so you have to be really careful because bleeding is a big issue on facial surgery. Right. So you have to make sure you're off all blood thinners. Um, and uh, smoking is really bad for facial surgery. Um, so we want all people, anyone who smokes, to be uh, have stopped for uh, several weeks, if not a few months, if possible. Okay, good to know. What is the average facelift cost? For a full facelift, meaning the face and the neck, I would say around here it's probably $15,000, okay. you know, roughly. It, a little bit depends on where it's done. I do most of my facelift surgeries in my office mm -hmm. where I can control costs quite a bit, and then we move them over to a surgery center, and the costs go up a little bit over there. Okay. Um, but I would say for a full facelift, yeah, anywhere from probably fifteen dollars to $20,000 if they're really asleep and at the hospital or something. Okay. Are there payment options available for somebody who wants to have the procedure but maybe doesn't have all the money right up front? Sure. Um, there are financing companies. The one that we specifically deal with is uh, Care Credit. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we've been very, very happy with this company. And now it's, you know, cosmetic surgery is right out there in the mainstream. People aren't uh, embarrassed to walk around with a, a splint on their nose or facial right. bandages. You know, uh -huh. it's something that, you know, everyone uh, can do. And to have a financing company that's as reputable and as flexible and as easy to work with as care credit is, has been uh, very, very helpful for that, that group of patients. Good to know. What should a patient look for in a cosmetic surgeon? Um, I think a couple things. One is their training. Um, there are a lot of people doing cosmetic surgery mm -hmm. that are not formally trained right. plastic or cosmetic surgeons. Mm -hmm. um, in my state here, California, the laws are very, very lax and uh, most, uh, most cosmetic surgery is done in offices, office operating rooms. Okay. And the law here in this, in this state is if you have an MD after your name, doesn't matter what you're trained in, um, you can do whatever you want in your office operating room. Wow. So you, the burden is on the patient to do a little due diligence and do some research to figure out what is the level of expertise and training. But I would say they need to be uh, certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery. Okay. They have to have been in practice, you know, at least a few years, uh -huh. and they have to. I don't want to say subspecialize, but certainly do a, a consistent volume of procedures uh, in the area in which the, that, that person is uh, thinking about, like facial surgery. Because there's a lot of plastic surgeons that don't do any facial surgery. They do all body surgery. Hmm. Uh, and there are the people who just do nose surgery. Right. Um, so you have to kind of 
you know, do a little research and, and uh, find someone that you're compatible with and who you're comfortable with and have trust in. Very important, trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. What should a patient expect to experience during their consultation? Consultation starts with the phone call. Uh -huh. um, and uh, in my office, you're going to be talking with either Gina or Karina. And they're very pleasant and they even though you don't see them they have a big smile while they're talking to you and they're a very critical part of the office because your whole introduction to the office right. is through them so it starts with a phone call then of course a visit to the office and when you check in there's a lot of you know paperwork and things like that although actually now we're doing everything digitally and hmm. on um uh, on apps that are given to patients when they call for their initial uh, consultation. Um, but they're, they're kind of checked in and then they meet with me in the examination room and I go through a history and examination and we talk about everything and once I've answered all their questions, they go meet with my nurse who um, is my cosmetic surgery consultant and she will talk about the financial aspects of uh, the procedure and if there's financing that's necessary and how to schedule surgery and a lot of the technical questions that I may not have answered. <laughs> so what are those specific questions that the patient should ask the surgeon when they are at this consultation and they do have your time? Well, um, I think one thing they should kind of try to get a, a, a feeling for how how experienced the, the surgeon is mm -hmm. in this particular um, procedure. Right. So the patient needs to know what is this particular doctor specialize in mm -hmm. and I'm here for facial surgery, you know, how much facial surgery does he do? And that's one thing. Another thing it's really important is to just be comfortable with the whole office and the staff because they're going to have an awful lot of contact with particularly the staff. They right. see me but they see the staff a lot more, a lot more. than they see me. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, the educational background of the, of the surgeon and then asking, you know, what if something goes wrong? What, right. what can go wrong and how do you handle yeah. it and um, things like that? Because, you know, we're not God. We can't promise 100% and we right. can't promise perfection. We try our best, but, you know, everyone is different and mm -hmm. every side of the face is different. And so right. sometimes there are small little issues that pop up and they just need to uh, kind of, their surgeon's brain a little bit about like if something does happen what how are you going to deal with it or how am I going to deal with it and right. things like that so speaking of those things um, what are the risks and complications that are associated with a facelift well first and foremost the biggest one is bleeding okay. the face is very very vascular mm -hmm. and um, there's just a lot of little blood vessels and when you're lifting the skin up you're you know uh, lasering or we use a laser to kind of zap and coagulate all those little blood vessels mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't take much for them to bleed so any type of uh, people are on blood thinners they can bleed if they put their head down they can bleed mm. so I tell patients literally there's like a five percent chance they could have a major bleed that would require you know some type of usually it's a small little surgery in the office nothing big but that would require some type of a surgical procedure. Okay. Men, it's a little bit higher, hmm. both because men tend not to be quite as good patients as, as ladies. Wow. Uh, and okay. um, yeah, they push it a little bit. When uh -huh. you tell them, you know, like, don't put your head down, and next thing you know, they're under the sink trying to fix the, uh, you know, the garbage grinder or something. Mm -hmm. um, 
but actually I think it's more related to the fact that they have all the hair follicles in their face and there's more vascularity gotcha. in the male face. So um, bleeding is by far the most common complication. Um, nerve injuries, very few and far between. I haven't had a nerve injury in, in 15 years. Um, so um, that depends a little bit on the techniques, the, what I was describing earlier, going deeper into the face mm -hmm. under the muscles and things, you have a little bit more chance of that. Um, so the way I do uh, facelift procedures, there's very little risk um, of nerve injury, you know, knowing the anatomy. Um, and smokers uh, are the big, the big problem group. Smokers have a lot more complications in facial surgery than non-smokers. And so we spent a lot of time trying to convince smokers to stop and go through different things to um, get the nicotine out of their system and get their oxygen saturations back to normal before we do surgery. Good to know. So can you go ahead and explain the difference between a mini and a standard facelift? Yeah, so a mini facelift, you know, as the name uh, infers, it's a smaller version of mm -hmm. a full facelift. Okay. So a full facelift, uh, in my mind, involves uh, lifting of the soft tissues of the face and the neck. Okay. A mini facelift is just the face, um, basically from about the corner of the eye down to the jawline, kind okay. of this area here. Uh, and then that can be even subdivided down even further. There are some people who come in and say, you know what, I'm really happy with everything. I just don't like the way my lower eyelids, like me, I have what we call tear troughs, where our, mm. our, our cheek kind of sags a little bit. Mm. And if you just do a small procedure and kind of pull this up like this, you can kind of correct that little, huh. we call the tear trough deformity. And that can be done through a very tiny little incision up in the hair. So that's like a mini, mini facelift. Okay. So there's different variations of it mm -hmm. depending on what the person's problem is and okay. uh, what they want to um, you know go through mm -hmm. so tell us how the procedure is performed so face of surgery the person will come in um, they there's a lot of paperwork they do in the morning of surgery I'm not a great person with hair but I do some hairstyling to get the <laughs> hair out of the way of my incisions mm -hmm. um, do some markings uh, and then photograph all this um, and then if we're doing this in my office like I normally do mm -hmm. we give them a Xanax pill um, when they first arrive so by the time we're doing all this they're, they're calmed Calm. down and once I've gone over all the instructions and things and what, what's going to happen so they're aware of everything I give them uh, an injection mm -hmm. of um, Demerol mixed with a few other things and that puts them into a very very uh, nice uh, sedated um, uh, um, situation. Mm -hmm. um, some people are completely asleep at that point. Most are kind of in or in and out, you know. And and then we bring them back to the operating room, lay them down. They're all my nurses clean them, um, and then the first thing we do is inject everything. And that's really the only part of facial surgery that they feel. It's the first five minutes when we inject all the incision lines and where we're gonna be doing the surgery. Right. But they're kind of sedated, so most of them don't even feel that. Mm. Then we let, that, let them sit there for 15 or 20 minutes and let the, the injected uh, numbing medicine, which also has a vasoconstrictor in it, adrenaline. Okay. Um, so all the blood vessels shrink, the face turns white. Um, and then we do the surgery and there's very little bleeding. And at that point, most patients are just sleeping through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then at the end, once they're all done, we wrap them up and wake them up and home they go. 
All right. What can the patient expect to experience after the procedure and into recovery? So the, the thing about facial surgery is it's, it's almost painless. Mm -hmm. That's one really nice thing. It's very different than, say, a tummy tuck or a breast gotcha. implants, which hurt a little bit. Facial surgery, you, you know, the person wakes up and they just feel tight, um, but there's really almost no pain. Mm -hmm. They'll be all wrapped up, so their face looks, their head looks like a Q-tip. You just kind of see their little face and uh -huh. it's all wrapped up in gauze. There's little drains that are underneath and mm -hmm. they don't have to deal with it. It's all just kind of automatic. Um, and then they just go home and usually they're kind of groggy, you know, mm -hmm. when they go home. And um, uh, then they just spend the first night with their head elevated and ice packs on their face. And mm -hmm. I see them all the next day and we unwrap okay. them and take the little drains out, clean them up. Um, rewrap them for a few more days okay. um, and then they they take that off at home a couple days later and then they can shower and wash their hair so it's one follow-up visit or are there a few no so we see them the day after surgery to inspect everything and change the dressings then we see them at one week okay. and any visible sutures are taken out at one week so any okay. suture kind of around the ear will take mm -hmm. out at one week um, and then they come back at two weeks and the, what we call the high tension sutures, which are usually up in the hairline or behind the ears, okay. those come out at two weeks. Got it. And then I usually see them at like one month, three months, six months, yearly. That okay. kind of typical. What can the patient expect to experience as time goes on? Um, a little bit of sagging of the skin. That's the thing that we have to always talk about. I would say the number one worry that patients have when they come in is, Doc, I don't want to look too tight. I don't want to look like these Hollywood people that right. I don't even recognize. And I always tell them, that shouldn't be your worry. Your worry should be, I love how my face looks now, but now over a few months it's sagged a little bit. Hmm. Um, and it's because we have natural tone and elasticity in our skin. And what happens is you do the surgery, pull everything tight, and then they swell. And when they swell, it stretches the skin out a little bit. Right. And then when the swelling goes away, the skin will shrink, but just a little bit will, will you know, right. it's not anything really significant. But I tell them, you know, the, the, the patients that they see or these actresses that they see that look kind of funny and they're pulled too tight, that is not something that happens after the first facelift. Those are usually people who are doing facelifts and revisions of facelifts and redos, huh. little touch-ups, you know, year after year after year. And eventually you've kind of pulled the skin so tight you've lost the elasticity. And then it's just like parchment paper pulled over like a mannequin face or something. Wow, um, you don't so, want that. <laughs> don't want that, but that's not something that, that uh, uh, you know, most people should even be thinking about. It's interesting that you said, so some of those Hollywood actors, actresses, whatever, um, they are constantly having this procedure done. Is that common and is it recommended? Well, I wouldn't say it's common. Maybe in the Hollywood community it's common. Um, you know, a lot, I mean, a lot of these patients, they, those type of patients, mm -hmm. they're, you know, they're in front of the camera. Right. There's a lot of pressure to look good. Mm -hmm. um, if they shop around and go to enough doctors, they're going to find someone who will say yes and, right. and do it. And, you know, and that can lead to, you know, problems because facial surgery should be very safe and mm -hmm. you should have a very natural result. And you will, if you go to a good surgeon with good experience, 
and you do this the first time or even, you know, five or ten years later, do it a second time. Mm -hmm. But if you are a person that has maybe a little body dysmorphia or feels the pressures to look good because they're in front of the camera and they're doing this consecutively, mm -hmm. your body can only handle so much and there's right. going to be some aesthetic complications. So you said maybe they'll have another facelift in 10 years. I'm assuming that would not be the full facelift again. It's touching up or is it, it common that people do have another facelift? Yeah, it's down common the road? to do the whole thing again, but it, huh. it's not as extensive. Okay. You, would, you would cut all the same incisions, you would lift okay. up the skin, but obviously there's not going to be as much loose skin then as there was. Gotcha. Like, because people say, how long is this going to last? I'll right. say, well, it's going to probably last 10 years. Mm -hmm. But then I'll say, but you're not going to look at at 10 years the way you would if you never had surgery. You gotcha. know, and you're not going to go back to where you were before you ever had surgery. You're just not going to look as good as you did right First, after surgery. Right. So yeah, we redo the whole thing, but it's a, it's a little bit smaller version of it. What percentage would you say um, of men versus women are actually having this surgery of a facelift? Um, it's a much smaller uh, number for men, certainly. Um, I think cosmetic surgery has become more popular with men over okay. the years um, just because it's, it's more accepted and I think there's more pressure in the workplace for uh, both men and women to to look younger, but I would say that the hard part about faceless with men is the inability to hide the scars while they're healing. Women, you know, they just wear their hair down and mm -hmm. it covers everything, and so they can look very good within a week or two weeks. Mm -hmm. And most people with a full facelift are back to work in two weeks or even wow. less. Men, it's a little bit more difficult. Um, I do a lot of eyelid surgery for men. Um, but I would say for faceless, probably only a few percent of all the ones that I do are, are male. Okay, good to know. Well, thank you yeah. so much, Dr. Taylor, for all of your insight. And you've definitely educated us, so we appreciate it. You're very welcome. Before I let you go, I'm going to um, ask you a couple questions in a lightning round. So you okay. just let me know what comes to mind first, okay? Okay. Are you a homebody or on the go? On the go. Beach or mountains? Oh, boy, that's a tough <laughs> one. But I would... Oh boy, I love them both. All right, we'll um, give you both on this I one. I really love them both. <laughs> okay. Milk chocolate or dark chocolate? Dark, for sure. A book or a movie? A uh, good book. Good book. Dine-in or takeout? Uh, Dine-in. Art gallery or sporting event? Sporting event. Flip-flops or tennis shoes? Flip-flops. Do you sleep in or get up? Get up. All right. <laughs> At least thank, I try. Yeah, I know. We all try. <laughs> well, thank you again, doctor, for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it, too. We learned a lot about facelifts from one of the country's leading board-certified plastic surgeons. If you're considering a facelift, we hope we've provided the information that you need to decide if you want to take the next step and schedule a consultation. All the healthcare experts featured recommend and accept the Care Credit credit card. Remember, Care Credit is a leading national healthcare credit card that can enable you to get many of the surgeries, procedures, and treatments you want now and pay over time with everyday promotional financing on purchases of $200 or more. Care Credit can also be used to pay for copays, coinsurance, deductibles, and your health and wellness needs. Care Credit is accepted at hundreds of thousands of locations nationwide to pay for care whenever you need and want it. 
If you are interested in applying for a CARE Credit credit card or would like to find a provider in your area who accepts CARE Credit, visit us at carecredit.com. And if you found this information valuable, please leave us a five-star review on the App Store and a thumbs up and share it with a friend. I'm Amy Frena with CARE Credit, and I will see you soon. Thanks for joining us on Care Experts with Care Credit. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share with friends and family. And stay tuned for new episodes every week. Purchases with the Care Credit credit card are subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See carecredit.com for details. This content is subject to change without notice and offered for informational use only. You are urged to consult with your individual medical providers with respect to the information presented. Synchrony and any of its affiliates, including Care Credit, collectively Synchrony, makes no representations or warranties regarding this content and accepts no liability for any loss or harm arising from the use of the information provided. Your participation in this presentation constitutes your acceptance of these terms and conditions.